Welcome to episode 57 of the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar, Mark Sheeran, Stephen Slate, and I will be talking about how people just, I guess, get over their drug problem, their alcohol problem. Yeah, when it clicks. When it clicks, when you completely, what it looks like and how people get there um, when their addiction is completely resolved. We offer two ways to work privately with a freedom model instructor. The first is at our beautiful St. Jude retreat. And the second is via Zoom with our at-home freedom model private instruction. You can get information about our retreat at soberforever.net and thefreedommodel.org and about our at-home private instruction program at leaveaddictionbehind.com. Let's talk about, you know, we got we got a really great email today from our private instruction uh, the, the director of our private instruction program about a student that he had, one of his first students. Yeah, who just completed. Who, it, it took him several months, but he stuck with it and he completed it and, and and he's pretty, pretty happy with the results. Yeah, so he was a heroin user and um, he was actually, uh, I guess he's been in classes since April so that's a long time. That that's longer long than we want to go, but we all know we have some people that do that because they disappear for a while because life yeah. is rocky <laughs> when you're using heroin or drinking every day or Absolutely. whatever it might be. Um, so, you know, he he went slow. And um, what uh, Danny said is, you know, that in some sense he could he could speak the freedom model in perfect detail. He he could he knew it all. He was a good student. Right. He read the book. He, yeah, and, and he, he was, memorized passages. He he understood what was going on. Yeah, and, yeah. It's sort of like understanding to a certain degree, but it's still not having necessarily the personal meaning yet. Right. And he was continuing to um, use throughout much of the the course of their time together, um, and now. Just this week, um, he's finally finished. And um, what he said is, ever since a couple weeks ago, things have just clicked. These last chapters have totally changed my thinking, and I don't even care or think about this stuff. And, um, you know, one of the thing, another one of his comments was that he basically could have written the same letter that I wrote in chapter mm-hmm. 23, now that, which is the final chapter, now that he got there, he's like, oh, yeah, basically, this is what happened yeah. with me. and um, So he resolved his issue. Yeah, and he has resolved his issue. It's He hasn't uh, used in quite a long time now. I, mean, I don't know the exact length of that, but I don't think it matters because what he's saying is he doesn't even care or think about the stuff anymore. And by the stuff, he means... Heroin. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And, um, and then let, I, just for the listener, as you know out there, if you have a drug problem, that's a big deal. It that's is a big, that, huge That's a deal. massive shift in thinking. Something has happened. Yeah. And that's what I used to, so way, way back when I worked at the retreat um, in Hageman, when somebody would come for a tour, I would try to explain to them, like, it is possible for you not to just quit but to not want to do the drugs anymore, yeah. right? Like, it's yes. like, people would be like, so really? Important. Like, yeah, to not be thinking about it, not wanting it. Because that was what happened for me. 
and not is, being and not being stuck in recovery as well. Yeah, because that's what that means being in recovery. It means you're thinking about it. It's still a part of you in some way. Yeah, right? you're you're keeping it a, a a presence in your life. Even if you know you're thinking about not doing drugs, right? Um, and that's dominating your thinking. Like, how yeah. am I going to make sure that I I don't do drugs? I was just watching. Um, I watched Matthew Perry debate Peter Hitchens last night. And, um, you know, he was saying, he's like, I'm in recovery. And, you know, I spent, I spend my time trying to guard myself from taking the first drink because oh, I will lose control after, you know. So apparently he'd been in recovery for a while at that point or sober for a while at that point. And he's still like sort of, man, you know, walking around kind of scared of substances, you know. Um, so... Uh, but anyways, forget about Matthew Perry. <laughs> no, but that's 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 the kind of life. I guess I should yeah, just yeah. to put well, a, a, a pin on it. I think what you're what you're pointing out for the listener is that there's a difference between what this kid experienced in our program, which is moving on, which is where he says it just clicked. It's almost as if the problem doesn't exist at all anymore in my life. Yeah. And recovery, where it really is alive in your mind still. Yeah. And. Sometimes people out in the audience don't understand that distinction because they assume that you're going to always think about it. So we don't right. want the listeners to be confused about yeah. that, you know? So so it needs to be defined. Recovery is a trap. Yeah. You know, it is a, it is a mental trap where you still define yourself by wanting substances for your happiness. And this kid, I say kid, but he's you know in his 20s, he's realized I don't Right. Yeah. I don't need it for my happiness. It's a total shift in thinking. Yeah. It's a total shift in your your identification with the substance. Um, it's it's yeah. freeing. Yeah, because if you get right down to it, um, you know, uh, people with drug and alcohol problems are not zombies animated with their arms and legs moving without them trying to, just reaching for drugs. <laughs> right, right. Though that's kind of what the addiction world and recovery world portrays. What is really there with the drug or alcohol problem is your want of the drug. You're, you looking at it and thinking you need it for X, Y, and Z and walking around wanting it. And so the, the trouble... In, in quitting is it, it's it's not that you're physically animated but you're not being pulled by an external force yeah and it compelled, against your will against yeah. your will compelled to use but, but it feels it, like it feels are. like so the thing that is there is this desire in your mind you know and we say it's coming from the brain but it's not it's coming from the mind it's coming from the way that you view your drugs and but you don't know that. You go to treatment and they tell you your brain has been altered and that makes you want these drugs. It has nothing to do with anything other than like addictiveness right. or the fact that you were hurt when you were younger and that somehow created in your brain susceptibility. this susceptibility to addiction. Yeah, and it's just, it's always, it's this disease and what we are saying, and definitely in the last several chapters, that's part of what he referred to, the, the, the last few chapters, he said, really made things click. And those chapters were the ones where we um, 
Challenge discussed them. drug effects right. and challenge, challenge them yeah. challenge and say, them hey, wait a minute, you don't need to believe this is the thing that brings you the most intense and wonderful pleasure and happiness in the world. You don't need to think you need it to relieve right. uh, emotional pain because it doesn't really do that. You don't need it to be yourself, be somebody else, lo lower inhibitions, all of that. You don't need it to do any of these things because it doesn't really do them. It does something, but not in the way that you think. All right, right stop right there. So when, when this young man said it clicked, he came to the realization that, oh, the drugs didn't do that for me. Now, I want to talk, I'm going to back up for a second for the listener and, and tell you tell them an exercise I do. We all do this with people. And we say, write down all the reasons and benefits that you see in drug use. And it's really interesting because when somebody starts with us in class, they will say it, meaning alcohol, the drug of their choice, mm -hmm. relieves stress. It makes it so that I can sleep. It makes it so that I'm less depressed. It makes me be able to be more sexual. It, da, 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 da. And... Then the question becomes, can a drug pharmacologically come in your body and, and can it make you behave in right. whatever way? Yeah. And, Change your thoughts. Right. Go in into your mind and very selectively take away stress. Can it take away depression? Can it selectively, does it have a mind of its own? Yeah. Does it have this capability to go into the mind of a human being and make those changes? And everybody, everybody in that kind of a class says, well, no. And then I say, okay, then there's not two of you inside your mind. So there's not the drug making this happen. So stop saying it does this. Yeah. Right. Stop saying that. Say, I am doing this while I feel a physical buzz. And then I color that buzz with whatever mood or sure. attribute I want to give it. Yeah. So I just want to explain a little bit about the process of that so that it gives context to what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So... Obviously, that, that had to be something that affected him. And, you know, in those final chapters, too, if you look at chapter 16 and you look at 21, um, in both those, we're saying, like, hey, what would be good about abstaining? Right. What would be good about moderating? Yep. yep. And nobody ever asks you to look at that. They just, you know, they look at the consequences of if you were to continue using. Well, we're saying, what, what would actually be the good part about quitting? And so there, there's a lot of things in there that could have made this click, right? Throughout the whole thing. And one thing you pointed to is it, uh, when we were discussing this before was, you know, the just realizing that you have control and choice in this situation. That, you know, it's, it's not... As I was saying before, you're not a zombie. Yes, yeah, right? the, the, the drug doesn't <laughs> yeah. have a mind of its own. It doesn't have pathology. It's not doing something living within yeah. your consciousness. It's not doing that. Yeah, that it, that it is you. The beauty of understanding that a drug can't selectively change or alter your mind or the content of your thoughts that it doesn't selectively have intelligence like that is that it automatically points to the fact that you are the one with intelligence. You yes. are the one with desires. You are the one coloring the buzz at a funeral blue and in the bedroom red, right? Mm -hmm. With passion. So so we, we use drugs for their utility in our lives, for our happiness. And when people get that, when they, they realize, oh my gosh, it's me. Yeah. 
it's me interpreting this physical buzz in this way. When that happens, you realize, oh, so I can change that. I can abstain and make all those same decisions. I can make sex yeah. better. And I, the drug, since the drug isn't doing it and I was doing it all along, then I can do it without the drugs, without all those consequences, right? I can let go of all those trade-offs. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So here's the thing. I, and you, you made me just think of this. Um, we're depending on a drug. And um, I ran into some quotes from one of my favorite books, The Natural Mind by Andrew Weil. <laughs> yes. And he said, the drug problem is an effect of conceptions about drugs. It can only be solved by changing those conceptual models. They're potential keys to better ways of using the mind, uh, but they're traps that can keep us from using our mind in better ways, right? So in other words, like you take a drug, it changes, it changes uh, how quickly your brain works, right? If you take a psychedelic, it, it lights up, you know, it, it turns on some pathways that haven't been turned on before. Um, and, you know, he sees that as sort of like, okay, this is an avenue to something. Yeah. But it's also a trap, right? And so then when he goes further and he defines addiction to a certain degree, he, sa he says this. The user who depends, and that's the important part. He talks, he's talking about drug dependence. The user who depends on drugs to get into desirable states of consciousness becomes tolerant to them and cannot maintain his highs. If he fails to realize the nature of his problem, he uses his use of drugs becomes more and more desperate, and he must search for something stronger. And that's definitely what we see when people oh, yeah. take Jeez. alcohol to sort of tune out, but right. you start to develop a, a, a tolerance, not just to the physical effect of alcohol, but, but mentally to its attention, sort of attention-grabbing effect, where you need to get more and more drunk to eventually get reach, reach a point but it's just it just keeps on not working eventually eventually you become the guy this is what i became sitting in a room or at a bar yeah literally shit-faced and crying yeah for your problems right it's yeah it just cannot it cannot take that stuff away look at it i really... look at it this way it's kind of like i'm going on vacation next week right i'm going to florida it's going to be wonderful how many people go on vacation and they have, it's so wonderful. They're like, I'm going to move here. Uh, yes. I'm going to move here and my life will be vacation every day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and then I, it's not. It's not. No. Because wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, not once and your you live life, there. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you have to have a job and you have to pay your bills and all <laughs> the things that you want on vacation to forget about for a little while. Yeah. And that's exactly what I, when people start using alcohol and they're like it's a nice little treat it's a nice little vacation until you do it every goddamn day yeah oh. <laughs> that, it's not special at that point that yeah. brings up i'll never forget this i had a guest in the car and i had my young son joey in the car <laughs> and joey we were talking about aliens right and he goes you imagine if we were coming through a valley in skahari and it was all open he's like you imagine if there was a ufo here and the guest was just sitting not saying anything in this front seat and the guest goes yeah, it'd be amazing for about a day, and then we'd get used to it like we get used to everything. And then there'd be aliens everywhere, and we'd just be driving by them. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Insightful. And kind of crushed my son's fantasy. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I thought, that is so 
true. Yeah. It yeah. is the true. most um, life from another planet, yeah. right? And then yeah. all of a sudden you'd be driving like, ah, oh, that the UFO is so annoying. You know? <laughs> yeah. I gotta drive around it. <laughs> yeah, and but drug, that's what drugs are. Well, yeah, and w- Andrew Weil, one of the things that he did is he compared to like insecticides, like eventually. Yes. The bugs get tolerant to the insecticides. Yes. We need more and more and more and more and yeah. more. Antibiotics too. That's exactly what the other yeah. thing that he said. So he and you know, and he's he's saying those these are all materialist solutions to problems, right? And and here's his continuation of the thing about addiction. He says drug dependence, far from being an isolated phenomenon caused by particular substances, is simply a special case of a very general problem reliance on external things to produce or maintain desired internal states and he says the problem all the way down to the root is materialism and you know what he means by that it is just like we've got to recognize the mind and the mind and that's what you're saying before is the mind is the operative thing if you are experiencing stress relief when you drink it's because you're saying in effect i'm putting aside the problems for now yes and just enjoying this buzz right right? that's that's ultimately it but like you said you can then if you decide to think about your problems be crying in your beer right It, it it's there's no you can't just dump alcohol in a body and stressful thoughts go away right as long as you still are conscious with whatever, like, last tiny little scrap of consciousness you got left, you could think, you could focus on whatever you want. That's, That's right. right. You have a free mind. You can sit there focusing right. on your problems. And guess what? If your brain if your brain power is massively reduced, right, down to next to nothing, you also probably won't be able to process those problems very well if you're sitting there thinking right. about them. You're not, you're not bound to have a new insi- insight of some kind where you realize the thing that's been stressing you out has, is, is not that big a deal. If, if you're going to sit there thinking about the thing that's stressing you out and all you got is one little scrap of brain power, it's going to just stress you out even more. Yep. You're not going to like solve it. Right. It's right. silly. Right. Um, Which is why drinkers and druggers sit and ruminate on the same problems oh, yeah. over and over, day in, day out, when you're on that yeah. last bender. It's a terrible place to be. Yeah. So so the problem, so, so the problem with substances, you know, we've summed it up as, um, ad- you know, ad- addiction is, is focusing on one thing. We've said the opposite of addiction is diversification, right? It's not having a one fixed one thing solution to everything and that's what heroin becomes people that's what alcohol becomes to people is this is the thing that makes me feel pleasure pleasure makes me happy it takes away my stress takes away my anxiety it's it's just the one magical thing that's what addiction is about it's about how you orient yourself towards the drug and you see it as just you know all powerful, right? It's it's so so when this kid says it clicked for me and I don't even think about it anymore, what happened was could many things could have happened, mm-hmm. but one thing might be sometimes people just go, you know what? I just want to move on. Well, yeah. I mean, that's probably the most common occurrence if you look at the the remission rates, right? Yeah. The natural remission or where you grow out of the problem. How do you grow out of a problem? You go from one thing to another thing. 
That's that's just how you adapt as a human being. Well, yeah. So it's the most natural thing in the world. But here's what's crazy. When you're in recovery, that stops. Right. Yeah. Because recovery says you can't stop thinking about the object, the shiny object right. from your past. Yeah. And you will always love the object, the shiny object of your past, heroin, alcohol, crystal meth, whatever it might be. So um, there's an assumption that it was the best thing that you'll ever experience. Yeah. Yeah. And they really say that about heroin. They really, really push that on you. That was my experience of, of, of treatment was, you know, that everybody just sort of reinforces the idea heroin's the best thing in the world. But so, you know, but also realizing that there's more out there in life. And Danny mentioned that he was running experiments and um, I don't know exactly what what he meant by that but usually what we're doing is saying like go have fun without this thing <laughs> you know sure. diversify have a, yeah. you know have have a stressful day without using that you know if that's the next time one of those days comes around i don't know exactly what experiments he ran but it but to diversify to realize there is more than this this is not this drug is not necessary like you think it's it it's it has like a little value at, at, to what it does to your body and makes you physically feel. And, but it, it's just not the all important thing. And there, there's a key to that moving on part. Like when you try a new thing in your life, let's say that you are getting high and you have those spells where there's two days where you're not getting wasted, right? Mm-hmm. And um, because in my drinking, for instance, there was points where for months I'd be on a bender. And I would drink every day and I'd be hiding it from people and all that kind of stuff. But then there would come periods of time where I wasn't. And in those periods of time, it's really okay not to try to replace drinking or replace your heroin. Just try something else in a different direction and forget about heroin for a little while. Yeah. You know? And you would be surprised that if you don't have a conscious focus on heroin or whatever it is that you use, it becomes insignificant. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're just kind of naturally moving on. And allow yourself this privilege because it's normal to move past an addiction. Yeah. It's more normal to move past it than it is to keep it. So, um, And the odds are way in your favor that you'll find a better lifestyle by just moving on. Yeah. So give yourself that permission. You yeah. literally have to give yourself and permission. Be, get curious. What, you know, like... I think for me, I got curious about what will my, my life be like without this. Yeah. I remember when you were getting sober, we went to all those concerts that yeah. summer. It was you, me. It's the first time I went to a concert, not hammered. And we went to every rock show that SPAC had that entire summer. Yeah. And we saw some great shows. We did. Um, we were actually recorded on a Guns N' Roses album, which is really cool. <laughs> um, so And there were a lot of people getting drunk and high around us. Oh, my God. <laughs> but nobody cared. We didn't we were, care. No. You were there for music. We were we there, were there for music. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I really, I wished that I was, you know, coherent for a lot of the concerts I'd seen previous <laughs> I know, to it, I know, you know, mm-hmm. I know. I and remember know. them. But it was, yeah, it was a great summer. So, so there's a certain amount of, you know, let me try these, let me try these things that I was wasted for, not wasted, you <laughs> yeah. know, let me, let me see what it's actually like, how fun it can be. So, um... I haven't gotten many people with opioid or heroin problems in uh, the personal instruction classes, the online, yeah, the most... online classes uh, over the years, and I've, you know I've been doing them since 2011. Yeah, that's nine that's a long years. Time. We are way ahead of the curve on, yeah. on yeah. doing this, obviously. 
Um, but I didn't get too many with opioid problems. And then, you know, I, I did have one earlier this year um, or kind of end of, I forget, was it end of last year, beginning of this year? It might have gone over the Christmas break. I, I kind of forget. And um, he had been on and off um, Suboxone a few times. And, you know, and he's like, well, the first time I took Suboxone, it worked. And then, you know, then this other time, it didn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. And now he was on it again, and it seemed to work this time, but he knew he needed more help. So, yeah, yeah, you he know, knew, he knew something was not working. Yeah, because uh, how does, you know, this the same drug, you know, work at this time and then not at that time, right? Because it's not really about the drug. It's about his what his motivations yeah, were at the what time. His so is, when he was really been. motivated to to like put down the heroin for a while, the Suboxone worked when he wasn't as motivated and was more mentally dependent on it, thinking that he needed it for all sorts of stuff. It didn't work. So now we're back at another place where it's working. And, and, and he, what? Well, what's so funny about that is, is, is you have, you could have replaced the word heroin for Suboxone in that entire analogy well, that you sure. just did. And, yeah. and, and people, but I say that to the listeners, it's, it's, you know, we know that, yeah. but but I want people that are on Suboxone to think about what Steve just said. Sometimes heroin works to take away your problems, and sometimes it adds yeah. to them. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and, and yeah. Maybe, maybe it's maybe, not the heroin. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, <laughs> just maybe the problem is, is the way you're coping with life in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's that. And, you know, I went through the same yeah. thing as this guy on methadone because I had yeah. three extended stints of methadone uh, treatment over the years and um, you know really worked good one time and then not so much the next time and maybe that's you at a, at a certain point there was one of the at one of my points in methadone I was going for like six months and I don't know what happened I like got myself kicked out or something and my father was paying for the methadone he was giving me like a hundred fifty dollar uh advanced money order each week that was written out to the place and I and I was still getting those and I was just going back to the bank and like returning them and buying heroin oh no that's and actually I now I don't remember the full sequence of events but I might have started doing that before I got kicked out maybe got kicked out because I wasn't paying for the methadone god it was it was bad (laughs) it was awful they found out um no, but so it like it seemed. You know, why did? And I think at that time I was on a higher dose of methadone than the time before when it seemed to work. Right. You know what I mean? So yep. it it's it's really not about the drug. It's about where you are in life. So uh, this guy Morgan, that, that earlier this year that 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 was on the Suboxone and it seemed to be working, but he knew he needed something more. He called us. We did the the Freedom Model personal instruction, and um, and you know where I was taking him through, and I explained like, look, this Suboxone is taking care of your sort of withdrawal stuff, making not feel compelled to like go out to deal with withdrawal. Withdrawal. Yeah, right? it, it has been you there, and you've yep. got motivation now. And I'm like, but here's what we got to deal with: is the rest of your motivations to use heroin, and that is you think you need it to have fun to deal yes. with your depression your anxiety i'm sorry i keep listing these things off throughout no, the but, but, right yeah. but there's a laundry list of reasons withdrawal only being one of them so let's deal with all of those other reasons right and we went through the course and and 
you know, what was happening with him during the course is um, he started to get out and um, start fishing. And that may not sound like a big thing. No, I, I get it. But I get it. But that's what he was doing. And he made friends fishing. Like he met other, it, other in any, I, you know, and I think he was kind of like, you know, he's kind of shut in. It was, it, we were ending right around the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, and, but he got out and he was doing things and he, you know, and, and then a few months after we had finished up the classes, he's like, I, I can't thank you enough. You know, this is totally different. I really am over it. And, and I, I definitely attribute that to the course. And, and so like, I think the, I think in his case, the Suboxone gave him the space to then start experimenting with how do I mentally approach yeah. life and, well, and and this problem and and that's that's what we brought into the situation I, I think we see that at the retreat right so yeah. you get so whether it's a boxing or an event or coming to the retreat and not drinking for a little while um, before you get the course whatever it might be if you have if you have a place or a moment in time where you stop the crazy yeah right you just stop the crazy for a day and then, and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then you then you start to embark on this other path. What I wanted to say is that the fishing thing, it's not you don't have to go find this massive purpose driven goal set, <laughs> yeah. okay? Um, because that's that can be dangerous ground too. Because you, you fail at it, you struggle at it, it, becomes this whole other problem. Sometimes it's just going out, swinging the bat, and trying to figure out some things that you like. And you will naturally, you will naturally find your way. I want I want people to know that there's no set formula. Every human being is different. Their likes and dislikes are different. But the one thing is, if you give yourself, again, the privilege to move on, this idea that, well, maybe I will go for a ride on my motorcycle instead of going to the crack house today. Yeah. I'm not saying to replace it. Oh, like drive your motorcycle so that you escape the crack house. Yeah. You know, I'm right. not saying that. Just just give yourself the privilege to say, I, I can actually go to, have some fun. Yeah, to explore life. Yes. And um, you know what it makes me think of? It's like uh, when when you're a kid and um, and somebody's moving away. Right, like when their parents are moving, they got to move to a new town. I've did Those that a few times. Kids where that's happening, they always think it's the most terrible, yep. terrifying thing. Oh my God, I'm gonna lose all my friends, and then they get to the new town and they make a bunch of new friends, and they've forgotten about you. <laughs> like it's like, oh, we're gonna keep in touch, we're gonna be friends. No, they've made new friends, and you meet people like that all the time. It's like <laughs> you instantly adapt, and like when you're dependent on this drug, you think you need it for everything. It's so terrifying, life on the other side. It's like being a kid and your parents tell you they're going to move to a new town. That's yeah. exactly what it's like. Yeah. And, and, but like, but you get there and you adapt. So then the, the hump is really just the fear. Are you going to actually go out in, in, in the new town and go make some friends? Are you going to talk to people? What are you going to do? You, 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 you have bring to be, up a, you bring that up. That is a really good analogy. That is. I remember. I was eight or nine years old. I'll never forget this because th this actually changed my life and it's exactly what you just described. I was eight or nine years old. We were going to Rock Candy Ski Resort, which is a hill. <laughs> I've <Okay>? never <laughs> heard of that. Yeah, dude, it's a hill. It only had a, a, a little rope toe. A, like a toe, rope toe? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and a T-bar. On the big hill, it was a T-bar. Yeah. Which was, it bumped you in the ass and you kind of went up the Yeah. Road. Okay. <laughs> so 
It was my first time skiing, and I had to wear my sister's snowsuit. <laughs> now listen, I flipped out. I was like, it was um, it was bright candy red. It had the fur around the hood. <laughs> listen, oh my and it, God. but it was night skiing. Okay, uh-huh. so I cried my eyes out, flipped out. Because you had to wear the snowsuit? Yeah, because I was like, my friends might be there. Oh, that's true. And I was like, no way. And it was my first time skiing. We got there. We had to rent the skis. I remember everything. I remember what the guy looked like that did it. It was so poignant to me. I was so terrified of being made fun of. The first time I came down the mountain, I was a natural skier. I ripped down the mountain. I was like, I stopped. And and I was like, I was so freaking happy that I completely forgot about the snowsuit. I mean, I was blissful. And then they were like, all right, you need to take lessons. I was like, fuck the lessons. And I was gone. I went to the T-Bar Hill at night. I went all the way to the top of the mountain. I came ripping down. I didn't fall. Yeah. And they're like, who is this kid in the right red ski suit? You know what I mean? And then I was like, oh, I have this ridiculous thing on. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And I was so excited. Yeah. So I never forgot that because I'm the kind of guy who doesn't just make friends instantly. I don't go out and get out of my comfort zone very easily. So when I was caught in the drinking thing, I got to the point to where I was literally dying in a room. Yeah. And for me to break out of that, I remembered the snowsuit. I can remember thinking, I gotta, it's got to be like the snowsuit. Because that was such a... I literally did not want to leave my house. Yeah. You know? And I never forgot that. Yeah. So that's a, a kind of a funny story, but it changed my life. Yeah. And we, we think everything's going to be awful. And then yeah. it's not. Yeah. It, it, it really is. It almost isn't. never is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I think that's, that's the key. That's not easily summed up, but yeah, that's the key to moving on. Is. <laughs> right? Is knowing like it's worth taking the chance. And and the problem Even is if you have to wear a bright red. Suit. Yeah, <laughs> and the person with a drug problem is told, "There's nothing you're gonna do to solve your own problem." You know what I mean? You just yeah. need to be in our care, be an ongoing client in in um, in aftercare, where we can somehow work magic on you to try and make you not use drugs. When really it's it's you have to taste what else life has to offer, and you have to be able to critically look at the drug, and that's I think that's where we come in in a big way is to say let's critically look at that drug. Let's analyze and, and, see and it. Let, let us show you you really don't need it for anything. If you want it for something, whatever. If you if you like the just the the physical effects of it, okay, we can't really argue with that. But the idea that you need it for all these things, right. that's what's keeping you stuck. Because if it, if it was just, well, I want it and I like it, like a sweet food or something like that, you, you know, that's not, you know, you know, people do not go rob stores for sweet food. Well, they don't rob right. stores for moderate drinking either. It, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you, if you, you know, if, if. You know, if you looked at it as like, well, I just it's just enjoyable. Okay, that's you're not going to have a problem. You're you're going to move on. But when you look at it like, I need it. There's right. no other way. And that's what Weil was saying. You know, if we depend on it for an internal state, when really, you know, when, what we got to realize is that internal state is created by us. You want to get over your stress. You want to get over your depression. That's going to be all stuff you figure out in your mind. It's it's not going to be stuff that heroin, cocaine, alcohol takes away right yeah okay i think that's it for our lesson today i just want to focus quickly before i close up on one thing and that is 
all freedom model instruction is done privately, and there's a good reason for that. Um, because I can remember sitting in meetings, and um, pretty much it felt like a glorification. It felt like a reinforcement of all the things I thought I needed alcohol for. Um, and and so if you if you started reading our book, maybe you got about halfway through, and you're like, "No, I understand all this stuff." Really, and, and you're still wanting to want to quit. Maybe yeah, you haven't stopped, or you just chapters seventeen through twenty are crucial. I think that is where um, this young man changed his thinking on on heroin. Um, and and that is, I think, what we do better than anyone yeah is is really challenge the benefits yep. um, that you think you're getting. So so that's why we do that one on one because the, the the glorification of drugs and alcohol don't happen here. <laughs> not even not even yeah. when we're we're all hanging around having dinner together and stuff like that. Um, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a constant debunking of the mythology surrounding what drugs and alcohol can do. So, all right. With that, does you guys have anything else? Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. If you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or other habitual behavioral problem and you want help moving past recovery as well, we encourage you to call us at 888-424-2626 or you can reach us through our website at thefreedommodel.org. If you want to learn about our retreat, you can go to soberforever.net. If you want to learn about our private instruction program that you do at home, you can go to leaveaddictionbehind.com. There are many free resources, including videos, these podcasts, and eBooks at thefreedommodel.org. You can get digital editions of our books, of full digital editions for free. That's free to our podcast listeners at thefreedommodel.org. You go to our products, um, use coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout for the Freedom Model for Addictions and FAMILY100 for the Freedom Model for the Family. And if, yeah. and if you need detox, if you're at the spot in your life where you maybe you want to get off of Suboxone or, or you want to um, safely come off of alcohol or benzodiazepines or whatever it is you're doing, um, then we recommend Gallus Detox. That's G-A-L-L-U-S Detox.com. And we've worked with them for about a decade now. And they're the best in the country. All right. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.